Hello, and welcome to the Video Financial Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Tara Bellio, and this is the second episode of our two-part series about credit. A couple of weeks ago, I had a fantastic conversation with BDO License and Solvency Trustees Michael Comrie and Elon Kibble. We talked about the differences between a credit score and credit rating, what's in your credit file, and what habits can hurt and help your credit score. And well, we covered a lot. Too much to fit into one episode, really. So this is the second part of our series, which focuses on something that is on a lot of people's minds these days, how to rebuild your credit. Let's face it, many Canadian households are overextended and relying on credit to get from paycheck to paycheck. Maybe you've been consistently paying your bills after they're due, or you've been missing a few payments. You might be in a debt management program, filed a consumer proposal, or declared bankruptcy. All of these things will appear on your credit report, and they can negatively affect your credit score and your credit rating. But there are steps you can take to rebuild your credit. So let's dive in to hear what Michael and Elon have to say about it. Now, I, as you guys know, I uh, manage our social media accounts as well. And um, <clears throat> sorry, I see a lot of people talking about how consumer proposals and bankruptcies destroy your credit. And, you know, we know that's not the case. So can Mike, can you tell me a little bit about how uh, you rebuild your credit? Um, you know, let's start first from, you know, this perspective of you filed a bankruptcy or a consumer proposal. So how would you advise someone to best rebuild their credit? So first thing I tell everybody is there's no quick fix. Mm -hmm. And there are, and the reason I say that is because there are loads of um, service providers, let's call mm -hmm. them, um, that are advertising quick fixes to repair your credit. And the bottom line is you just simply can't because information stays on your credit for a certain amount of time. And that's based on the way Equifax and TransUnion report it, which is ultimately all reflects back to a piece of legislation that tells them how they have to do that. So uh, really, there's no quick fix and everyone should be aware of that. However, there are sort of uh, tried and tested um, methods that you can take to improve your credit. It should be said, if you are doing a proposal or a bankruptcy, you know, have a discussion with your trustee or administrator because there are some rules about, for example, in a bankruptcy, when you can borrow and how you disclose your undischarged bankruptcy status. But aside from that, generally speaking, the easiest, simplest way to start rebuilding your credit is to get a secured credit card. So in general, before you know you look at getting credit, you have to make sure that your habits are in place. A lot of people end up um, you know, in this position because they've excessively borrowed some. It's because of circumstances that are out of their control. But if you know yourself to be the type of person who has habits that are problematic when it comes to spending, you need to get those under control first. Otherwise, you're going to get that card and the same old habits are going to repeat. Yep. But once you get those under control, there is really a good way to start reestablishing your credit, which is to get new credit. It's as simple as that. And the only way to do that, typically when you are uh, coming off a bankruptcy or even within a bankruptcy or proposal is to get a secured credit card. And that is a particular credit card where you put up some money and an institution will give you a, a credit card that operates just like a traditional credit card. And, and again, just to be clear, it is not prepaid. 
it is secured. Okay. But really, uh, that's the only thing you can do other than, you know, making sure there's no inaccuracies. You get new credit and you manage it effectively. You make your payments on time. You don't carry a balance. And if you do, you carry the balance below, you know, 30% of its limit. And Elon, what if you've reviewed your credit file and your credit score is lower than you'd like? What now? Like what steps do people need to take to that want to hire their credit score or want to hire a credit score? So it's um, basically, as we've been saying, is being diligent on your credit and making sure you're managing it properly, you're paying um, your cards off. There are things that will affect the credit score. Some people look and say, I've got too many credit cards. I'm going to go and close credit cards. So mm -hmm. those things are actually going to impact you um, if you land up closing your oldest credit card, as Mike said earlier, and we were discussing earlier, is credit history is important. It's most probably one of the highest factors in calculating your credit score. So if you sit there with a credit card that um, you, you, you've got a credit limit on it, but it's one of your oldest, and you say, well, I'm tired of using credit cards, and you close this card, you've actually just eliminated a whole 10, 20 years, however long you've been building credit history, right? That's, you've just literally wiped it off the map. So now you've got to restart from square one. Um, so there, there are the number of factors that you could help. The, we be speaking a lot about consumer proposal people that have gone through adult bankruptcy. There are also the people that may have been living off the grid who've never had credit. Younger people coming through things, they've never had credit. So they, they're not a factor. So when they go now uh, to rent an apartment, they have no history. Mm -hmm. So there are other ways that they could look at that. So Mike mentioned the secured credit card, which is definitely a great option and must probably one of the easiest for a lot of people to get into. You've got the ability to get what we call secured loans. So if you've got a, an asset, you can sort of finance, get that loan and then pay that off. Um, there's some credit building saving loans. So you're not really getting a loan from the bank, but you're putting money into an account. They reporting it to your credit bureau and that's helping you rebuild your credit from that point of view. Co-signing. It's a very big thing. You can have a family member, a friend, uh, someone who's willing to sign on that debt with you so you're able to rebuild you just got to keep in mind if you ever default in the loan you're leaving them high and dry yes. and now they're responsible which could impact more than just your credit and their credit your relationship mm -hmm. um, the final thing i want to add to rebuilding your credit and helping you whether you knew or not knew is um I think it's Equifax who have sort of done a program with the landlords that they could report to the credit bureau your rent, which can help you rebuild your credit. Oh, on great. The, uh, others, on the opposite side, if you don't pay your rent, it's going to impact your credit. Yes. So you've got to keep those in mind. Yeah. So um, the people who – a lot of questions we have is, I'm never going to be able to rent again. Mm -hmm. I want to move an apartment. I'm doing a proposal, bankruptcy. My credit's terrible. I'm never going to be able to rent. That may be the case because your credit, when they do Equifax or credit report, looks negative or it's down. The numbers are down. However, if you speak to your landlord or the new potential landlord and you're able to get them a credit history or credit payment from the previous landlord who can attest that, you no, know, you were very good with your payments, you never defaulted. You may have defaulted on a credit card or something else, but you know the roof of your head is important. Yeah. They may be able to give you a credit history payment, which may help the next landlord to basically say, okay, even though we see your report shows negative scores, 
we're, we're willing to rent to you because we know this is important and that's one way of also starting to and then hopefully that landlord will report your credit bureau which can help you start rebuilding your credit mike you had something to add <clears throat> Yeah, so um, Elon mentioned a good point, which is the sort of positive versus negative information. So Equifax will tell you themselves positive information will hang around on your Equifax report for 10 oh, years. Nice. Uh, TransUnion, 20 years. Oh, wow. So um, it's it's very important that, you know, a lot of people think, oh, I paid it off, I'll close it. It's kind of like, um, you know, milestone moment, especially if they've been working <laughs> to pay it down, but can do much more damage than good. Uh, and then just sort of to... Um, add to the discussion about how do you rebuild kind of post-proposal. Something to keep in mind is, a, 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 we may get into this later, but a lot of individuals who do visit a trustee looking to do a proposal or a bankruptcy, um, they're already dealing with sort of um, a compromised, we can call it, um, credit score, mm -hmm. uh, where their debts are likely high to their limits, so their credit utilization is not good. They may or may not have actually begun to default, especially in these trying times. Uh, and there may or may not be collection items. So a lot of people who are coming to a trustee are already dealing with, you know, credit issues. And really the problem for them is eliminating their debt. And by doing so, it creates a new fresh landscape uh, where they can actually then seek to rebuild. A, an analogy I often use is I, I sort of describe their, their backyard as being full of weeds. And you have to pull out those weeds to plant new flowers. And that's often how you can look at an insolvency filing when it comes to rebuilding your credit. Now, what about... Um... When it comes to building or getting a higher credit score, what about delinquent accounts or um, ways to bypass consistent late payments? What what can someone do to deal with that to help bring their credit score up? Mike, sorry, or Elon, so, sorry, yeah, sorry. Uh, okay, go, Mike. Uh, yeah, I mean, simply put, if you've got a delinquent account, you got to catch up the missed payments. And that will help? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it will help. So again, there's two different ways to look at this. So there's a delinquent account where you are behind on a payment and your rating may reflect mm -hmm. it and it's not yet gone to collections. So those you collect up, you catch up on the payments and then your rating will, will go back to good okay. for that individual item. Now, if you've got a debt that's gone so delinquent, it's now gone to collections, which you would find on your public records, that's there. Okay. It's going to go away based on Equifax's and TransUnion, uh, TransUnion's reporting periods, which is typically six years from, you know, they either say date of last payment or date of first delinquency. For that, there's nothing you can do to remove the delinquent account. However, if you pay it off, you know, either by paying it in full or settling with that collection agency, the balance will go to zero and that will help. Again, these are all little things you can do to improve your, you know, your overall credit score and just get your credit report looking better. But keep in mind, those are technically two different types of delinquent accounts. And then I think you were asking about, you know, if you have consistent late payments. So a very easy way to, to deal with that is just to set up automatic payments with your financial institution. So that way, each month the payments get made. You don't need to worry about it, um, as in you're not moving money from one account to the yeah. next. And it's automatic as the uh, you know type of payment implies. And so every month it gets paid and you don't have to worry about having consistent late payments. Elon? Yeah, so um, as Mike was saying, you've got these possible notches on your credit where you've missed payments. Uh, it's recorded, it's there. You've got to do whatever you can to correct that. Mm -hmm. But if you step back and say, I've got these things, and they keep reoccurring is now, do I prepare a budget? Do I take a full financial health check of mm -hmm. myself and prepare a budget? Now, budgets are easy to prepare. We all can go back through our bank statements and say, I spent X amount here, Y amount there. It's the tracking that becomes the 
the, the tough thing for people to do. Yes. And um, I always say to individuals, if you track three, four months going forward, so you set your budget, you track three, four months going forward, you're going to become familiar with what you're spending money on, what your regular payments are, where you're overspending on the the wants versus needs. And that's where you'll start being able to become a little bit more conscious and sort of dealing with your budget to be able to do what Mike was saying and paying down those accounts you've missed or payments you've missed. Um, order pays, as Mike said, it's beautiful because you you obviously need to check the statements. Don't mm -hmm. just let order pays go through and all of a sudden you get a four or seven ETR ball for all $50,000. You don't know how it got there. <laughs> yep. But you've got to make sure that you're checking that. But order pays are good from paying bills and from saving if you're able to save, right? Because um, I had a thing where I transferred some funds from uh, one investment to another, didn't realize they never closed the other investment, then they kept on taking money on my account, completely unbeknownst to me. Mm -hmm. And when I went to look, I said, well, okay, I've got this money sitting there. I didn't even know it was there. So that becomes important, out of sight, out of mind, on the saving point of view, but on what you're spending and paying on, be conscious, review it every now and again. And once you've done a few months of budgeting, I think your um, your, your your awareness of where you spend your money is going to be fantastic. And then it hopefully opens up the ability to set for your goals, right? Future goals, short term, yep. I want to buy a car to long term, I want to go on a good vacation mm -hmm. to even longer term, have a family, buy a house. So this all is basically, once again, coming back to your financial health equal to your physical health. How do you look after yourself from that point of view? It's so important that financial health does play a role in your physical and mental health, and we need to like concentrate on it. So we've already talked a little bit about how um, rebuilding your credit with after an insolvency, um, but I also want to talk about some of the myths around this subject. So uh, Elon, can you share some of the insolvency myths? Can we do a quick debunking right now on some of the insolvency credit myths? What do you got for me? So the general thing I think we've mentioned some of these is that I'm never going to get a loan. I'm never going to be approved. Uh, my credit's going to be bad forever. It's going to be there. I'm never going to get away. It's going to impact my spouse's credit. It's going to impact my kids or my parents. Those are all myths. The the program, especially of doing an insolvency and bankruptcy in the Bankruptcy Insolvency Act, were specifically put in place to help the honest but unfortunate debtor to what I call hit the reset button on their financial situation. They've put the program out there. It's, it's, it's going to deal with that. And Banks are in the business of lending money. Mm -hmm. So if you have to say, um, and the number of insolvencies or people in financial trouble are going up. So if you have the mindset that I'm never going to get approved for another loan again, the banks are not in that business. Everybody's on a case-by-case -case basis. When you've dealt with your debts, either through a proposal or a bankruptcy, you come out of it at the other end, You and now you're earning some good money, and you've got no debts. You're actually less credit risky, even though the number may say you are and it's on your record, yeah. on a business point of view, from a bank or a lender's point of view, you're actually better off to lend money to somebody who's got this available cash flow, provided you've done the budgeting we spoke about and mm -hmm. you're monitoring that properly. To the banks, you're actually pretty um, good to lend money to, and everybody's on a case-by-case -case basis. So you can't take it as, my friend said he never got credit. <laughs> yeah. There may be reasons why he didn't get for credit. You're on a case-by-case, -case, you're an individual, and the bank has to look at the person 
and your circumstances at that point in time, not what the history was, but what you're currently doing right now. So there are many ways, and as we spoke about the secured versus prepaid credit cards, you've got to understand those where a licensed insolvency trustee can help you and educate you through the counseling sessions we provide in helping people understand their options down the line and how to uh, deal with this and uh, debunk all these myths out there. Um, the internet's a great source, but it can also be an overwhelming source. <laughs> yes. So you're better off chatting to people that know um, and can answer these questions rather than diagnosing your own problems and not really knowing 50 different options, but none of them really may be true. Yeah. Mike, what what, do, what would you like to debunk? Well, just that when somebody's situation is such that, you know, they sat down, they developed a budget, their debt loads are just so large, they're at the point where they can't pay them, they know they can't, they're considering speaking with a trustee about doing a licensed insolvency trustee about doing, you know, a consumer proposal or a bankruptcy, they're often concerned about their credit. So the th first thing I remind them of is that nothing on your credit report is permanent. Okay everything by its very nature on your credit report is impermanent. So obviously some things like your identifying information, employment, et cetera, will always be updated and be there. Mm -hmm. But as we've mentioned, negative information stays around only for so long. Even positive information stays around only for so long. Yeah. So you have to understand eventually that will fall off. And then the question is, what have you done in the meantime to reestablish your credit such that when the negative or derogatory information falls away, which it will inevitably do, mm -hmm. what will then be left in its stead? What will your new picture look like? And that's what a trustee can help you by sort of talking to you as we have done here today on how you can rebuild your credit after insolvency, because it is doable. It is regularly done. And to Elon's point, if you consider the number, you know, 100,000 plus people every year who are entering a state of insolvency, if the banks just outright and financial institutions decide we're never going to lend to those types of individuals, they're, they're cutting off huge chunks of the whole huge swaths of the population that one day will be able to borrow again based on that that new case-by-case -case basis. And Mike, sorry, can you answer this one for me too? Because I know this has come up as a comment online. Um, after an insolvency, typically, how long until a mortgage is possible? Yeah, so there is lots of information out there on this and it should, everybody should understand this is the information I'll provide is kind of general okay. rule of thumb. As Leelon says, uh, it depends on the individuals, right? <laughs> Correct, because because when you're applying for a mortgage, your your credit is a part of the battle, mm -hmm. right? But there's your income, there's your down payment, there's the state of the market, etc. So there are all these various other factors. Mm -hmm. However, what I have generally found through research is that lenders who are providing mortgages are looking for about a two-year timeline after discharge, or in the case of a proposal, full completion. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's been two years, and you've reestablished your credit. To get particular, a couple of websites that I've visited and brokers that I've spoken with and lenders who have provided information on this tell me they're looking for also two or more credit facilities. So that would be like a credit card or a loan uh, and approximately 2,500 or so in established new credit. So those are, and again, general rule of thumb, it's, you can't walk into, you know, a, a mortgage provider and say, Hey, I listened to a podcast and I was told <laughs> you're going to lend to me after two years, one day, but, but that's generally what they're looking for. Um, and I've, and I've had that repeatedly confirmed. So I, I feel fairly confident, but the, the biggest thing they tell me is your down payment. Yeah which is little to do with, you know, your credit. But if you're working towards that post insolvency, it should be the length of time that you've reestablished your credit, how much new credit you have, don't go overboard on how you've managed it and what your down payment is. 
that's awesome. Can Elon, yeah, of course. Yes. So I wanted to add to that also. Um, the, the people need to be aware that there's a difference between I'll never get credit or I'll never get the mortgage, I'll never get the loan mm -hmm. to you'll get it, but you're not going to get the favorable interest rates. You're not going to get exactly. the favorable Fair. payments. And I sort of equate it to we have, uh, I mean, I had a call yesterday with a lady and um, you got to be careful what you read out there because it's not a one blank, one thing fits all from a proposed bankruptcy to your credit and interest you get. So we keep hearing, and, and Mike, I think can attest to this is, well, I've been told I can get rid of 80% of my debt. We say, no, no, that's on a case-by-case -case basis. Yep. So the same thing with your credit. What size house are you buying? Uh, are you going to get the 5% interest rate or the 10% interest rate? So you're, you can get it, you can qualify, but it may be unaffordable for you. So those are just the things. You may get it sooner than the two years, but you've got to be paying a lot more if the finance institution. And we keep saying finance institution. On mortgages, people need to be aware there's not just financial institutions out there. You may be better off and served better by a mortgage broker mm -hmm. than a financial institution, especially when you're coming out of a proposal and or bankruptcy. They may be able to shop around and get you a little bit more of a favorable rate and actually get you qualified. So you're down the line, you're actually able to get back into that favorable rate. So it's all uh, talking. The one other thing I want to add is we've spoken a lot about credit reports, credit bureaus. And I think uh, anybody who's actually looked at a credit report opens up this document, looks and says, I don't know what I'm reading, puts it down <laughs> and moves yeah. on. So <laughs> if you have that credit report, always contact a licensed loans trustee. We can review that with you. We're happy to go through and go through that with you. Uh, BDO Debt Solutions, we also have the ability with your consent, written consent, with the verification of who you are to actually pull a credit report for you and review that with you. So there's those options and reviewing it's important because it is overwhelming. There's so many numbers, so many things, people don't know how to read the columns properly. So it's important to make sure you're getting in contact with the right people um, in order to do that and get the best information for your own personal decision-making. Now, before I let you both go, I want each of you to give me one tip for somebody, a client, one tip you'd give a client of yours to stay motivated in building their credit history after they've left your office and signed a consumer proposal or an, or a bankruptcy with you. Mike, go first. Yeah, so that's uh, never easy, <laughs> um, obviously. Um, but uh, and, and obviously, a lot of people are very tuned into when will I be able to borrow again? So first thing really I remind them is, well, it's good to work towards having good credit so you can borrow again and be approved for those you know important purchases in your life a car a mortgage or renting etc but i remind them of how long it took them in the first place to establish their credit over how many months and years they worked to create that good credit so they are able to borrow in the first place and i remind them that because nothing on their credit is permanent it will all fall off and they will be able to do it again. If you've done it once, you can do it again. And now, especially, you have learned how not to let it get out of control. Mm -hmm. Had you, you know, had that right information or you know, possibly education in the first place, you likely would have been able to manage it such that it never occurred. Now you have that, plus the knowledge of how to build it in the first place to borrow again. So now the vision for the future is brighter than it's ever been. Thanks, that's a good one. Elon, what do you got? So, um... As Mike says, it's, uh, there's no sort of cookie cutter answer to it, but uh, the 
perception of bad credit and uh, who's going to know about it and that is really in your mind because you're not walking when you all leave our office when you leave walk you're not walking around the street with a sign above your head says my credit score is right <laughs> you only know that the credit card companies know that and to the credit card companies it's business it's not personal that's how they make their money so it's really more a mental thing so you've got to understand there is an answer to those issues you can move it along and you can deal with um, getting you out of the, the rebuilding your credit and once again what, so, as i said what what you do not check cannot be fixed mm -hmm. what you do not deal with cannot be resolved so there are options for uh, people out there to really deal with it and it's not a public forum where it gets publicized it's really something people need to get out of their heads that everybody's going to know what's going on with their lives i know this is a hot topic so mike you want one more thing to say i'm going to give it to you <laughs> <laughs> yeah sorry no I oh elon okay fine tip, elon but... too <laughs> Uh, the just the the thing that I say that I find helps people just with the the feeling um, uh, the, of having to go through insolvency and, and the emotions vary so I won't go through those is just to remember that there there are many people thousands hundreds of thousands tens of thousands etc of individuals who are having to deal with insolvency mm -hmm. some that uh, have circumstances that are outside of their control so they're not the only one they're not alone and they will recover from that's it. awesome what do you got Elon so, sorry, the one last thing I just wanted, and it might be sort of going back in the conversation a little bit, that we never really discussed about affecting your credit and your credit score, given the environment we're in, COVID-19 and that stuff. So, mm -hmm. there has been a program, and the credit bureaus, TransUnion, have made it very clear that as long as you have a deferred or special payment arrangement with your credit card company and that agreement's still in place, it's actually not going to affect your credit score. So if you've deferred and missed payments, it's not going to change your credit score rating from a one to a two or a three. They're going to keep it at, say, the one as long as that arrangement's in place. So it's very important that individuals are out there making sure they speak into their credit card companies and creating these arrangements to help them to not be impacted. Obviously, when those arrangements end, you're going to have to start making the payment. But I think given that we're in COVID-19, there's still so much uncertainty. We don't know. We might be going to another lockdown. Who knows? Gosh, please no. You should be talking, to, yeah, you should be talking <laughs> and making sure that this is not impacting you when you have the opportunity to fix that or deal with it. That is an awesome add-on. I'm glad you touched on that. And with that, I am going to say thank you because I think <laughs> we can speak about this for a whole nother hour. <laughs> so thank you so much, both of you, for doing this with Thanks. me. And I can't Bye. wait to do it again, Bye. you guys. Thanks. Bye. Thanks to my guests in this two-part series that's all about credit, BDO License and Solvency trustees, Michael Comrie and Elon Kibble. And if you haven't already, we encourage you to check out part one on our website, debtsolutions.bdo.ca, where you'll also find more financial wellness podcast episodes, videos, debt manager resources, and tools. And remember, we're here to help you turn the page on debt. Your next chapter is waiting. <laughs>